0: He was very, he's like, ah, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't want to bother you guys with that. And we're like, no, that's, this is the whole thing. Right. Bother us. Yeah. We want you to bother like, us. This is the whole purpose. Educating people about and helping people with their plants is part of our whole thing here. Right. take it
1: or leave it. So yeah, please always, whether it's to a listener or someone that we know some way, shape or form, you are welcome to send me any plant related questions that you ever want to and if I don't know, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll lie and you won't know because you don't know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Options, yeah, yeah. Figuring out what I can give them from my collection and then just tell them like, "Don't you ever let this plant die? Yeah, ever." <laughs> I'll I'll get a cutting from my
0: mom's philodendron that's like forty years old and be like, oh, yeah. "I'm giving you this," but. Just so you know, this is forty years old, so
1: it's kind of a big deal if you kill it. You'd <laughs> be like, I don't want it. Like, right? don't, no. I don't think he would want it. Yeah, just really beautiful vine, and I just couldn't stop staring at it. It was just like, uh, I don't know. It was, it was like the first time I saw Jennifer Connelly. No. <laughs> No, you know what? Better. Yeah, it's like I saw that plant and I couldn't stop staring at it. It was like, you know, the first time I saw my wife. I'll leave both in, though. They can decide. (laughs)
0: We'll let let the listeners decide which is more believable.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Type in euphorbia and just be amazed by the sheer, just dramatically different variety of plants that you are going to to see everything that looks from like your stereotypical cactus down to these weird foliar plants poinsettia is in the euphorbia family Mm -hmm. the funky weird agave orchid looking plant that you have and the thing that ties these all together is this white sap it's Mm -hmm. just mind-blowing Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> get your house planned Sunday. We're recording on a Sunday, so it made sense. True, it is a Sunday. Yeah. And this probably won't release on a Sunday, but nope. we're recording it on a Sunday. Yeah.
0: And we're recording on a Sunday because I'm still down visiting you in St. Louis. We are knocking out some recordings. We are. We are. We wanted to get a few knocked out while I'm down here for several days. And among some of the stops that we've talked about in the last couple episodes, like the Best of Missouri Market at Missouri Botanic Garden, on that same day, we also made a stop at a local tea shop, which Mm -hmm. has been around for quite a few years. But we had such a great experience. I had actually been there once before. It was your first time going. But very cool owner, very cool space. And so we wanted to talk about it because we And also, the dude
1: remembered you. He did.
0: How, how how long ago was it when you went last? Two, three weeks ago? Uh, Longer? It would have been a little over a month. Okay. So and he I'm still not, remembered you. I'm not even from here. And I interacted with him one time a month ago and he totally remembered what we talked about. What if he was just making that?
1: I'm like, yeah, I remember you. What a good marketing ploy right, on his right, end right, to right, just right. no
0: matter what. Well, he said, you know, we were talking about your business, blah, blah. And when I mentioned he was uh, thinking, some, oh, yeah, I remember. some of the fair trade stuff that we had also talked about. Um, yeah, he remembered. But yeah, so the shop is called Tetopia and the owner is reginald and
1: this is not a paid plug no We're it's doing not. this out of the kindness of our yeah, hearts yeah we just it's, it's such an awesome and he's cool
0: yeah he <laughs> is very cool guy it's just a really awesome local spot in a great neighborhood so it's technically a St. Louis address, but it's on Cherokee Street, which is relatively well
1: known down here in the
0: St. Louis area.
1: All kinds of funky little shops. Uh, yeah. There's a Mexican bakery, Panaderia, which we also went to. Yeah, but that I
0: I don't know if we could tie that into the podcast. I got very a well. sweet potato empanada. Oh. We have talked about sweet potato, sweet oh, potatoes, pumpkin. It was pumpkin. It was pumpkin. Seasonal plants,
1: plants. Yeah. <laughs> you got an apple churro.
0: Oh, I did. You're right. <laughs> there we go. True plants there we go we tied it in bam what was the name of that bakery
1: uh diana's diana's okay. oh my god. also diana's. on also on
0: cherokee street yes yeah oh Another great so spot. good and so teatopia though getting back to sorry <laughs> our main pastries right, pastries right. i just talk about pastries right. <laughs> and that's teatopia his shop is in like the benton park neighborhood mm-hmm.
1: and- kind of south of central st louis south of mobot and yeah Very cool neighborhood. Thanks for taking me there. I will
0: absolutely go back. Like narrow brick homes from like the late 1800s. It's a really cool neighborhood so we went in and this shop, it's very, lots of like light woods and white walls, very, Those very contemporary design, still has the tin ceilings and parts of the room and they don't only do tea. So the main thing is loose leaf tea. It's a tea shop, but dozens they, of different varieties. They also have a full, you know, imported coffee machine, the whole deal.
1: Quite a bit of food options, too. Yeah, a lot of
0: food, smoothies. It's a pretty extensive menu for not being like a massive restaurant or anything like that. Really cool offerings. But yeah, the main thing is the loose leaf tea. And last time I went in went in with my girlfriend and we were talking cause she works in the fair trade world. And we you know, they got to talking about some fair trade related things. And he has relationships with people overseas, small farmers that he works with directly to import some of these teas. And so really high quality teas. And I'm uh, too snobby about teas. And <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will. I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, I've had some terrible How do you feel
1: about lemon and black tea. Uh, <sighs> uh
0: but so just really he's so knowledgeable on the teas down to brewing temperatures and steeping times and what region it came from and different notes with different type i mean he showed us two or three different types of black teas and pointed out the different flavor profiles of each last time i was there we talked to him about some different types of oolong tea so not only are you getting a really great experience just as a customer enjoying the tea or enjoying the food at the shop, you also, if you want to know more about it and really get into the tea, he's more than happy to
1: talk to you yeah. yeah,
0: about it as you're watching the tea steep and hanging out at the counter.
1: And being people like ourselves who who already are like, we're more than happy to you give us a pedestal and we'll nerd out about a topic that we are passionate about. Yeah. So to see someone else in their element like that, Mm -hmm. I always like, you know, and like he's, this is what he does. This is what he's passionate about. This is what he loves doing. He's built this business, his business. He, you can tell he's not just doing it to make money. This is something he really enjoys and was so fun, not only as far as educating you in a palatable way about something that maybe a lot of people aren't as familiar with, but also just really fun to shoot the shit with. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and even the first time I was
0: there, it was just, and we've talked about this before with kind of the St. Louis area in general, there's really this great feeling of community and Obviously it's really cool to walk into a shop like that, having met the guy one time and have him remember the conversation from a month ago, but to see other customers come in and see him interact with people from the community. And he like is familiar with these people they there. You know, there was a guy that walked in there the first time I was there. He's like, Hey, you having the such and such smoothie? Like, Mm -hmm. just really neat he's very Mm -hmm. into the business and uh it really shows yeah and he's got hundreds of five-star reviews five-star average on google reviews so obviously a lot of other people think the same
1: a worthy destination spot yeah and so
0: how this ties into our plant and horticulture podcast it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) on top of tea which would be a fun episode to talk about tea with him yeah maybe we'll We'll have to tag him in this and see
1: (laughs) if he's willing to. to This is our way of
0: indirectly asking him if he wants to come on and talk about tea. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the whole upper kind of high up on the walls around the whole shop, whether it's the seating area or the main area where all the tea canisters are displayed, all the shelves are full of various houseplants. So many.
1: Yeah. Pothos and ZZ plants and aloes and... Drasenia's. Swiss cheese, Mm -hmm. uh, Monstera. So definitely hard not to look at those plants, especially given our background Mm -hmm. and he was getting ready to he had those because he's getting ready to do another nice professional photo shoot for mm-hmm, the restaurant for socials and wanted to have those those plants thing we were talking about he was a little bit nervous because
0: they're all they're all in their nursery liners right now right and he was he needs to pot them up in the terracotta pots he was there. like
1: i'm not looking forward right. to this he's like, not, was like like, as long as they live got you, long, long got enough you for back, the, yeah as long as they <laughs>
0: live long enough for the photo shoot, right.
1: And uh, we started talking about, you know, different uh, ways to care for him, what you can do. And did he say, you I'll just message you guys. But then he backtracked. I think I think I said or one of us said, feel
0: free to message us about it. And he was very he's like, ah, yeah, I don't I wouldn't want to bother you guys with that. And we're like, no, that's this is the whole thing. Right. Bother us. Yeah. We
1: want you to bother us. This
0: is the whole purpose, educating people about and helping people with their plants is part of our whole thing here. Right. Take it or leave it.
1: So yeah, please always, whether it's to Reginald at T-topia or a listener or someone that we know some way, shape or form, even if you're just a friend of mine on my personal Facebook account, you are welcome to send me any plant related questions that you ever want to. Uh, And if I don't know, I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll lie and you won't know because you don't know anyway. (laughs) (laughs) it's like send me a picture of what kind what is this is tomato plant i was like i have never seen that type of banana in my life (laughs) block (laughs) yeah no it was it was you know it was one of those things where we were like yes please 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 reach out to us let us know we are more than happy to nerd we will trade you plant knowledge for tea knowledge yeah part of me wanted to you know if
0: i wasn't going to be out of town by the time you need to do this part of me was thinking like hey uh
1: I would you I you would come back and repot all your plants I would for you.
0: repot your plants for like some tea, some cups
1: of tea. Just a big jar of loose leaf tea. <laughs> I got, you know,
0: a few, few few cups of tea on some visits mm-hmm. and repot these plants.
1: Repot your plants for that fancy coffee brewing machine there.
0: <laughs> but uh, we definitely need to bring
1: him a plant. Yeah.
0: Because he had some other plants that must have either been personal collection or given to the store kind of near the doorway there. Yeah, in the that too window. is... I'll,
1: donate him a plant yeah
0: i would totally bring a plant
1: so i got um 152 options some options yeah Yeah. figuring out what i can give him from my collection yeah and then just tell him like don't you ever let this plant die yeah ever (laughs) i'll I'll get a cutting from my
0: mom's philodendron that's like 40 years old and be like oh yeah i'm giving you this but Just so you know, this is 40 years old, so it's kind of a big deal if you kill it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, I don't want it. I don't think he would want it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Even though it'd be just as easy to care for as anything that he he had there. Yeah. So another stop that we made on the way home. Yeah. On the way that same day. And the inspiration for this episode, the main topic for this episode, we stopped at a nursery that. Cause you know, we can't go anywhere without stopping for a plant related pit stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this was a nursery you had worked with before for flora foundry now right? I'm
1: up to 153 house now. <laughs> Right.
0: Yeah. Um, we made some purchases <laughs> and this
1: I, I didn't want to, but then I saw the plan. I was like, damn it. It's yeah. like, I'm taking this plant
0: home with two me. of the plants that I came home with were ones that you initially spotted. Right. But your the plant you got was more expensive. So I said, okay, if you're buying that one plant, I will get
1: these. You just bought two plants. Two plants, yeah. Yeah.
0: So this was Garden Heights Nursery, and this is, again, in the St. Louis area. It's St. Louis address, but it's kind of off of South Big Bend
1: Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Maplewood, Brentwood area. Yeah,
0: kind of like west of Forest Park.
1: Also a relatively popular independent garden center in the area, especially since they're, like, in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them are kind of in the outskirts suburbs of the St. Louis area, whereas Garden Heights is one of the ones in there. And they're in a pretty tight space, Given that they're surrounded by a very, you know, they're very metropolitan area, but they utilize their space very well and pretty fun staff and quite a nice selection. Yeah, both lots
0: of options for trees, shrubs, perennials, fall-related plants outside. Mm-hmm. Then I really liked not only they're pretty good and diverse selection of house plants inside, as well as I love walking into a garden center and actually being able to find a really nice selection of small pots for those house plants. drives me nuts when I go to a garden center that sells house plants and then you can't get a pot, like a nice pot for it. They also had some nice like chemical fertilizer selection and stuff. So just, just a nice little shop. But so... We ended up buying, like we mentioned
1: there before... Well, first we were nerding out about Zone 6 hardy plants. Since since that's not... It's something I'm getting better at here, since I now have moved down to Zone 6 from Zone Mm 5. But still a lot of newer plants for you. Yes. Um, And so we kind of walked through... Yeah, I basically said,
0: hey, what are kind of the... Half a dozen or so zone six specific plants that you run into most commonly down here that I wouldn't be familiar with. Right.
1: And so we kind of rattled off some of those and before wandering in for looking at some funky house plants, which was the main goal. Yeah.
0: And it all went downhill from there. I think we both spent what we both spend like 50 bucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I ended up because I bought some gourds to some little gourds because I was going to do some cute little fall floral planters container arrangements mm-hmm. for the flora foundry and uh I was not anticipating going in and buying a fifty dollar house plant but it was <laughs> too cool. Yeah. Like, damn it. I didn't want to come here and spend fifty dollars. I was thinking it's like, oh I'll find like a cool twenty dollar plant or something like that. I was like, nope, fifty yeah. dollars. That was your threshold. Yeah.
0: So what we wanted to touch on today because and we're going to talk about some of these in specific we found some pretty neat more on the rare end house plants at garden heights hey ethan do you hear that
1: what oh it's an ad real quick thanks for listening to our episode today you can stay in touch with us by supporting us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash take it or leave it. And we'll have
0: bonus content on Patreon for all of our subscribers there where you can get extra episodes and snippets from the show that we don't release to all the other
1: platforms. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at take it or leave it pod. And you can also visit our website, TakeItOrLeafItPod.com. If you have any questions or comments or any stories you'd like us to research or talk about, or hell, send us a picture of a plant you want us to identify, you can send that information to show at TakeItOrLeafItPod.com. You can also follow us on our individual Instagrams. I am at HortWise, H-O-R-T-W-I-S-E. And I am
0: at N Farrington, N-F-A-R-R-I-N-G-D-O-N.
1: Thanks so much. We'll get back to the episode. Ah, oh, you got me.
0: <laughs> so, what we wanted to touch on today is some of those unusual plants that we just recently got and a few others that, that you've been picked found up. over the last year. Yeah. Just some ones that we have liked quite a bit and going through and describing a little bit of those as some more fun houseplant options, if any of you are more curious on some of the more funky, unusual stuff.
1: Yes, definitely sticking to the more obscure things, although some of them are becoming more available, yes. Um, which I got to say just a little anecdotally here, coming from independent garden centers, I used to, my my mentality is kind of softening on this. Whereas I used to, five years ago, have a very strong opinion as far as these more rare houseplants and the price that we would buy them from wholesale at a garden center and therefore dictating the price point that we had to sell them as versus when you find them at a box store for half the price, if not Mm -hmm. less. And that used to really bother me, especially when I was the houseplant buyer, were you know, let's I'll throw out Black Raven ZZ. That's that really nice dark purple Raven ZZ. Purpley black. Yeah. And, you know, if I was going to buy that from a wholesale uh, provider, you know, my landed cost with freight would be $22 a plant or something in a six inch pot. Meaning I had to market to sell at 50 bucks you know just Mm. about just to make it worth and be a profitable sale for the business especially earlier
0: on when they first came out right and And i'll touch on some of those reasonings for exactly why pricing is that way and
1: then you would go and you'd see it at a box store for twenty dollars yeah
0: six months later
1: and that used to irritate me so much because I knew that those places that were selling it for 20 bucks just weren't really, there's no way they're hitting the same margin. Mm -hmm. And I would always kind of create this argument. like, well, no, you know, the box stores that are selling them that cheap there, it's just an extra add on sale for them. They're not as worried about the margin necessarily. Whereas an independent garden center is so focused on the margin. That's how we make our money.
0: Well, I don't even know if you can maybe make quite that much of a generalization because a huge part of why, plant material, whether that be interior plants, house plants at somewhere like, say, Home Depot or Lowe's, for example, one of those big box stores, or some of the more landscape related things, trees, shrubs, perennials, outdoors, even their annuals. You know, when Home Depot places an order for house plants, they're buying hundreds of thousands or millions of them whereas
1: we're buying even yeah
0: even a multi-million dollar pretty large garden center like some of the ones that we've worked at you know you're getting a few semi loads a year and and home depot across the nation is getting many thousands Thousands. of semis a year so the buying power is a lot different they can have growers that are only supply them because they're saying you know there's not a lot of people can supply that kind of crazy quantity so there are some people who just contract out for the box stores and when you're a grower that has one or two clients that you're growing for and at that kind of scale you really get a lot of flexibility on the margins and your your cost of that plant material buying it wholesale When you're ordering in the millions, than when you're ordering in the hundreds, like we would be. Right. So, which makes it tough for the independent garden centers. And that's why we always really try to promote to our listeners to support those local independent garden centers. And it's like, yes, maybe you could be paying a few dollars more for something similar that you could get at, say, a Home Depot or a Lowe's, but you're getting a lot more with that extra cost. You know, you're supporting a small local business. You're supporting people who work in your area. You're able to access people who generally are going to have a lot more industry-specific, in-depth, real hands-on experience with that plant material to be able to give you really good, accurate advice a lot of times they can help you if you have issues with that plant down the road, some places offer warranties, things like that. So that's why we always really try to
1: promote helping out those local independents. Right. And that being said, I'm not against rescuing a plant from a box store every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I always, <laughs> I always... I always call it a like a Walmart rescue yeah, or a Home Depot rescue. I... I always tell people if they're really needing to get
0: a plant from a box store, make sure you get it within a day or two after it got off the truck. Right. Because after that, it can be dicey. And part of that reason why some of those places don't super care about maintaining those plants properly, one, they don't always hire people who have that really in-depth industry knowledge. Sometimes it's subcontracted out to Mm -hmm. other people to come in and maintain, but a lot of them operate on a pay-by-scan structure Mm -hmm. with their wholesale suppliers. And what that means is they don't pay their supplier for that plant until it goes through the register. Yep. So if 10 racks of plants off of a semi die because they didn't get watered or unwrapped for five, six days in July, they don't really have an incentive to do things otherwise because they don't have to pay for it because it Mm -hmm. didn't go through the register. It didn't actually sell. And again, that's kind of a buying power related thing because when you're ordering in the millions, you kind of get to dictate things. We would even see that when I was ordering, you know, when I was a head grower with something like ordering pots to grow the plants in. If Home Depot decided they wanted a different pot color, a different shape, it would change the manufacturing capacity and processes for the people even producing pots because who is going to spend the most money and buy the biggest quantity? Not me buying, you know, a few tens of thousands of pots. They're going to cater to somebody who says, hey, we want millions of these and we want Mm -hmm. them to look this way. So that's kind of part of why you can see some of those price differences.
1: Sure. So So circling back and around to like what we picked up at Garden Heights and then we'll talk about some other funky plants that we've that we've picked up yeah um, over the year yeah but do you we, want to talk about the vine that you got yeah so that 50 dollars freaking vine that i got <laughs> um really beautiful it's a called a piper crocatum mm-hmm. and it is related to the peppercorn pepper which is not the same plant as like a jalapeno pepper or a bell pepper plant peppercorn is a so that that tabletop pepper is what this plant is related to, not the same. It's relation. essentially like a
0: little the the seed of a little berry that grows on this vine,
1: right? Yeah. Not to be associated with, like I said, jalapenos, habaneros, bell peppers, that sort right. of type of pepper plant. Black pepper, right? Yeah, right. So it is a non-fruiting variety. Or, at the very least, the likelihood of it fruiting as a house plant is it's an ornamental extremely minimal, yeah. right, but it's this cool, deep, dark green foliage with these vibrant, hot pink veins, like purpley,
0: kind of pinky purpley, yeah,
1: yeah, just really beautiful vine, and I just couldn't stop staring at it. It was just like, uh, I don't know it was it was like the first time I saw Jennifer Connelly. No, <laughs> I was just like, oh, there you are. <laughs> um, saw from across the room. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, what? better. Yeah, it's like I saw that plant and I couldn't stop staring at it. It was like, you know, the first time I saw my wife and it's like, she's going to be my wife. Yeah. You think that'll earn me brownie points? I think she'll call you out on bullshit. Oh. Uh.
0: Yeah. I'll leave both in though. If they can decide. The li- <laughs>
1: we'll let we'll let the
0: yeah. listeners decide which is more believable.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the first time I saw Jennifer Connolly versus the first time I saw my wife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This one's isn't gonna cause problems in my relationship at all. No. All right. Perfect. But yeah, just a beautiful plant, and there were two people that worked in that were kind of stationed in that house plant area. One of them was giving me more information than the other as far as care, and essentially just like yeah, so Just essentially treat it the same way I would some of my other vining plants that I have. And uh, I'm pretty excited to see how it goes. So that was the funky, rare plant there. So I can't really go in depth about what it is and my experience with it because it's brand new to me. It's the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah, TBD
0: on on your
1: experience with it. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes and and, uh, doing some propagations down the road and seeing how it takes. In spring. In spring, I'm not going to do any now. In fact, she also instructed me not to. She's like, I really don't recommend... Even though this might be okay, but she was like, don't do it now. And I was like, I'm cool with waiting, especially with this being that expensive of a plant. Like, I will leave it alone over winter and address it in spring
0: and what we're going to do for all these plants is we're going to do a little photo shoot after we record this episode and post pictures of those in a group to our socials so that you guys can all get an idea of exactly what we're talking about because I know obviously we can only describe to you so much listening what these plants look like right so before you saw the piper vine you had also spotted both of the plants that I ended up walking out with one was, and this is only marked as it's a type of euphorbia, so it's a succulent. And it was marked as Euphorbia
1: specialis
0: african. Now I know that's probably a little bit of a generic name, if I had to guess. Yeah,
1: when I when I searched it just now, several different varieties of euphorbia came up. Yeah. So we'll we'll post a picture of that.
0: But what was really striking about it is the base kind of sitting right above the soil line in that pot. Is, almost
1: codex like
0: yeah it's very kind of like bulbous almost like uh it reminded us of a couple kinds of orchids like uh what kind of like that dendrobium mm-hmm. and catalea type orchids that get that kind of succulent base right above the ground before they get their leaves mm-hmm. and so it's very similar to that and that drew you in and once you decided to buy your other plant i was like hey i'm gonna get this yeah, one i
1: saw it and i was like that's kind of like a An agave and a dendrobium orchid had a baby. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a kind of an odd one. Something neither of us had seen before. So naturally one of us has to buy it. Yep. Yep. And the other one is a variety of a tropical foliage plant that's a little more common. Yeah. A type of goldfish plant or... Goldfish flower. Yeah. Yeah. Nematanthus. And this is in particular Nematanthus tropicana and the difference so a normal goldfish plant it's a very glossy shiny green mm-hmm. kind of small usually you see them in a hanging basket kind of a bushy green tropical mm-hmm. plant but when it flowers the flower looks like a little Fish. kind of sunny yellow orange little goldfish mm-hmm. and like the, a little
1: goldfish cracker yeah it's kind yes. of like it's
0: sort of yeah it's got a little the little opening of the flower looks like the little mouth mm-hmm. it's very cute and what drew you and also me to this, and why I ended up buying it, is this is a bicolor flower that's kind of a burgundy red modeled with yellow, which is very unusual.
1: And it was super cheap, yeah, less like, than ten dollars, right? For this, and there's they only had two of them left. Yep, and I, you obviously I think she, got the didn't way she better. say
0: they just came in
1: that day. Yeah, all these plants that we bought came in that, that day. day. Yeah. And there was only one of those euphorbias, two of those goldfish plants, and five of the piper vines that I one of which I bought. Yeah. So that was the other
0: really cool one. We'll send a picture or we'll post a picture of that as well. And then one that you had bought there, not when we were there together, but you bought a couple of them and gave me one was the dead stick plant, which is also a euphorbia, euphorbia platyclata.
1: Euphorbia is just so expansive like they
0: look wildly different it,
1: you so type in you know your this is our this is our homework we're assigning to the listeners type in euphorbia e u p h o r b i in a into google your images. google search yep. and just be amazed by the sheer just dramatically different variety of plants that you are going to to see everything that looks from like your stereotypical cactus down to these weird foliar plants poinsettia is in the euphorbia family Mm -hmm. and the thing that ties these all together is this white sap Mm -hmm. which is kind of this go-to characteristic of many things that are in the euphorbia genus kind of a sticky opaque white Mm -hmm. sap so funky cacti with the needles all the way to like The pencil cactus, you know, which many people might be familiar with. Like I said, the poinsettia or fire stick, fire stick, right. The funky, weird agave orchid looking plant that you have. It's Mm -hmm. just mind blowing. I'm wondering if we're ever going to get to a point where they have to start sucking it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and figure out, like, okay, this is like euphorbids, and these are euphorbias, and these are euphoric cupids, or whatever. You're right. Who knows? Yeah. Like, yeah. just bizarre to me. Anyway, just a fascinating genus of plants.
0: And this dead stick plant is.
1: It looks dead. It's like a
0: green, brown, mottled, camouflagey kind of. It kind of look like a
1: coral sort of looking like yeah. a funky coral where if you saw it at the bottom of the ocean, you'd be like, oh, that coral's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Too much CO2.
0: <laughs> some diver touched it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, very weird. Very funky. And I now we have help. matching ones. Yep.
1: I couldn't help uh, wanting to get some of those and just yeah. saw it. I was like, so I bought us each one when I was there previously. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, never seen that one. Oh, it's a euphorbia. Holy crap. Yep. Got to get it. And I'm very curious to see how that's going to grow. Yeah. And the, the new growth looks normal, like bright green. And with it being a euphorbia, generally that means pretty drought tolerant. Most things in the euphorbia that, that we will interact with is now poinsettias are, they're very different. But what makes a poinsettia the way that we see poinsettias here in very- the holiday seasons is
0: heavily modified
1: right but poinsettias in southern areas in in latin america and southern parts of the united states that's yeah, like a ditch weed yeah shrub they're very in drought tolerant but they yeah. don't grow necessarily the same way with the vibrant reds and whites and pinks that we see yeah. poinsettias at at the store
0: so those were the four from garden heights and then you wanted to touch on three different philodendrons and a monstera that you have picked up. Which will kind of year. lead
1: into your kind of talking about, yeah, the availability of these plants and right. why they are becoming more available at more reasonable prices. Yeah. So I did find a white princess and a white knight philodendron. And they have this very dramatic white Variegation to the foliage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like a green and
0: white mix. Modeling. Right.
1: Sometimes to such an extreme where literally half the leaf will be green and half the leaf will be white. Mm-hmm. Like and totally pure white. Right. White. And <laughs> Sorry, bad. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> and the white princess is essentially just a variant of another very social media internet famous philodendron the pink princess philodendron sometimes yeah, just when, referred to as the ppp when, <laughs> it is it is it okay. is referred to as the ppp it is the ppp Not um, to
0: be confused with the uh government loans during covid and i think part <laughs> of protection loans <laughs> i think that
1: that stemmed from the fact that it like got super popular during yeah. covid when we saw this massive boost in houseplant sales and and this huge want and following for more rare and obscure house plants and whether
0: you know these by name or not when we post pictures of these you will if you are involved at all in anything plant related on social media you will recognize these they, especially the pink princess they were very popular like you said on the socials kind of during covid and after and at that time, I mean, for a little plant in a six-inch pot, you could pay what forty to eighty dollars, depending on where you were getting it.
1: Oh, more pink princess philodendron at its heyday on the internet. Which online you'll always pay more, especially if it's something new. People and rare. were dropping hundred, two hundred dollars on a mildly rooted cutting yeah. of a. In fact, the pink princess was getting so re, the demand for it was so high. That people were injecting other types of philodendrons and cuttings of philodendrons with red food coloring, especially ones that might have had like a mild greenish or yellowish variegation to them and injecting them or watering them with red dyed water to turn those variegated portions a red pinkish hue and then selling those cuttings as a counterfeit as a counterfeit plant and then like drop in their store they would sell a whole bunch of these drop their store no longer be available and all these people would have counterfeit cuttings of pink princess Uh, just that's what it turned into Mm it's just so wild so anyway the white princess is a cousin of that super cool plant the white knight is just bigger It's Mm -hmm. it's a larger leaf. I think it grows to be generally a larger sized plant as well. It looks like it's probably going to be a little more on the kind
0: of bushier type, whereas the others look like they're going to be more mild trailing trailing or climbing. Mm -hmm.
1: So very excited about both of those. The White Princess I found at an independent garden center in the area, Chesterfield Valley Nursery, and the the White Knight. And this is the only place I've ever seen the White Knight. It was a box store purchase. Mm. I, but it was so cheap, and I'd never seen it anywhere before, so I bought it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna feel bad about it. I'll give you a pass. I guess. Okay, cool. But yeah, and then like well, I said, I you silently know, judge you, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and uh, so then, like I said, I already talked about the Pink Princess. What's really fun for me when I think or talk about the Pink Princess Philodendron is just knowing that. It was only a couple years ago that this plant was like this $200 online purchase and people were buying it. And it was almost like this, um, oh, gosh, this. Like a luxury good. yeah, Yeah. You know, it was like gave you this. I would always joke during this this height of 2020 COVID and house plant buying. I was like, "Oh yeah, you got you got stocks, you got cryptocurrency, and you got house plants. Like these are what <laughs> you can gauge your your monetary value as." And so now we're at this point where the pink princess, due to tissue culture, which you're going to talk about, it's now so available that you can just buy it twenty dollars any box store now. Yeah. In fact, it's so popular and not expensive that I found it at Missouri Botanical Gardens just planted in the landscape. Right. Just a little grouping of three of them. I was like, they've just planted pink princess just, philodendrons just in outside. the ground. They're just like, eh, just throw them in the ground. It's fine. Yeah. They weren't that expensive. It's like, wow, how the mighty have fallen right. from this super rare luxury um, well plant and that's,
0: to, you know, same thing with the other one you wanted to mention. The, the Thai the Monstera. constellation
1: Monstera is yeah. also starting to get to that point once upon a time many 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 hundreds of dollars in fact sometimes even for a cutting oh yeah just for a cutting sometimes an unrooted cutting if you were buying at this time a 2020 in you know year 2020 thai constellation that was already like a grown plant rooted in a six inch eight inch pot hundreds if not maybe even breaching into the thousands of dollars yeah and this is
0: for anyone who's not familiar with that uh, probably most people know the monstera deliciosa they're Everywhere from the little pop socket things on the back of your phone used on that to stickers to very popular backgrounds on social media, and I've seen it as an earring. It's everywhere as like a fake plant as a silk stem, it's like the poster child for tropical plants. Yeah, so this Thai constellation had the speckled white variegation in the leaf, and that was. Still is relatively uncommon to find. Uh, still a very expensive plant. I mean, a six inch rooted plant, relatively small. You know, not getting the little holes in the leaves, the fenestrations in the leaves yet. Still, what a hundred bucks, right? Although one hundred to two hundred, they're
1: coming to be much more. I think they're going to start hitting the shelves here pretty inexpensively between twenty five and thirty five dollars, probably for a four inch to six yeah. inch pot. But yeah, another fun plant there. I finally was able to get my own. But yeah, that's another very interesting how the mighty have fallen this plant that was hundreds upon hundreds of dollars for an unrooted cutting online a couple years ago to now being available pretty soon here at mini box stores and independent garden centers for, for tens a of much, dollars right for a yeah. much more reasonable price and it's rooted in a pot with soil but i remember it was 2020 and purchasing house plants at this garden center that i worked at and i'm talking to one of the vendors out of florida that I would buy from a lot of different funky things. And we were talking about the Thai constellation monstera, And I asked him, uh, do you have any of those? Are you going to be selling those wholesale? And he was like, no way. I was like, really? And he was like, Oh, we have several mother plants. Meaning. So those are the general term for plants that they will use for propagating and taking stem cuttings for. And They were just using them just for that. So they had three large mother plants of the Thai constellation that they were just taking. And he's like, we're making a killing just selling these online, like eBay. And he's like, there's no way. They don't want to dilute the market. Right. There's no way that we can sell them to you because I can sell cuttings online for $100. Yeah. So it's not going to hit wholesale for years. Right. And I was just like, dang, I was like, I appreciate the honesty. Pretty so cool.
0: what Ethan kind of alluded to earlier and why these plants can become cheaper within the kind of one to five year range after they're introduced is because of advancements in what we know as tissue culture technology and tissue culture science And we actually several months ago shot an episode all about tissue culture, which we've yet to release because we felt like it was a little too technical maybe. So I'm going to describe it in kind of shorter terms, just briefly here to explain why some of these plants can become so cheap and available, especially even at the box stores in such a short window. But if, if you guys like the concept of this topic, we'd be open to releasing that episode at some point down the road. Maybe um, it's a Patreon episode. Yeah, could be. So essentially what tissue culture is, especially the one that's used more in our world of, of ornamental horticulture, is taking some part of the original plant, whether that be some cell scrapings or some tip cuttings or whatever part of that plant, and in a sterile lab environment... In a very particular growing media, you more or less create clones of that original plant through multiplying them in vitro. So in this lab environment, sterile, and you can take one plant and multiply it out to many thousands, if not millions, in that environment in a relatively short amount of
1: time. And different than like taking cuttings where that's also a clone, right but you're gonna burn through way more of that yeah. plant and we're you're cutting a big full pieces. plant you might be able to get a, a dozen couple dozen cuttings whereas this you get like you said thousands of clones mm. of this plant now
0: yeah if not into the millions and so in this lab environment they're multiplying it out the phalaenopsis or moth orchid was one of the original ones that really blew up and that's any of you have probably seen that at a grocery store or That's where or I can find it for $15, $20. Store. Right. That orchid that you always see multiple different colors with the big wide oval leaf that's like, you know, eight to 12 inches long and they have a few of those big green wide leaves. And then the stock of orchid blooms at the top, those are also produced through tissue cultures in labs, primarily in Asia and you know, just like orchids used to be really difficult to find and very expensive now because they can very readily produce, you know, once you get an orchid that you like the color of that bloom, even if it's a hybrid, you're not planting these from seeds. You're taking some part of the plant, some organ of the plant and multiplying this out in this lab environment. And like little Petri dishes, like mm -hmm. they'll grow these in Petri dishes and a little special media. Yep. And that's how you can really quickly multiply these plants out. I don't think it works quite for everything, but they've done it for agaves. That's a common ones. They'll do it for. I didn't know that
1: with agaves. Yeah, because agaves used to take yeah, an take for, they used to be so expensive. Yep. To the point where like we didn't even bother buying them when we were buying wholesale because like mm-hmm. I can't flip that agave for forty dollars. Right. But now, yeah, now they've become much more reasonably priced it's very common with philodendrons
0: and monsteras certain types of tropical foliage to shrubs like hydrangeas you'll see it sometimes uh, some of the funkier coneflower perennial varieties really kind of a whole range with that technique as that science has improved in the last several decades to what it is today And so when you have something like the White Knight or the White or Pink Princess or the Thai Constellation, that then becomes an option. You have that initial plant and you can multiply it out. Well, one of the things that can complicate this and limit the availability on the market is it's not uncommon for a select few breeders and people with these tissue culture labs to essentially patent the rights to that type of plant. And so you might have one person controlling the whole supply for Raven ZZ plants or the whole supply for the Thai Constellation Monstera because they have the money and the resources and the labs to do this tissue culture propagation. So they can kind of control when and how and where it initially hits the broader market most often to the box stores. So that's why you could see online or at an independent garden center, maybe a Thai Constellation and a little six inch or a four inch pot for 100 hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars $300 early on. And then all of a sudden you'll see it at Home Depot or Lowe's for $19.99 mm-hmm. because that one supplier controlled who and when they sold it to. And once they can produce them in the millions, now they can wholesale them out to people who are looking to buy plants in the millions. And who has the money to do that? You know, multinational chains. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the very brief rundown of kind of the concept of what tissue culture is and why those plants can go from being insanely expensive to all of a sudden they're everywhere. Everybody and their brother has one for 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why that can happen. Yeah. I think, I know we had some tangents there, but I think that kind of wraps up what we wanted to hit as far as some of these funky varieties that the both of us have picked up this year in terms of houseplants, since we've been on a little bit of a houseplant kick for themes for some of the last
1: couple episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. All righty. Well,
0: this has been the Rare House Plants episode for the Take It or It podcast. I'm Nick Farrington. I'm Ethan Wise. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.